Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, peeps, I want to let you in on a little secret. The guys over at CLNS actually don't know everything about sports. It's true. We're close, of course, but we're always trying to learn more. And one of my go-to spots for content on all things sports is The Athletic. It's a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for the diehard fans. And now you can be just like us and subscribe, except you can subscribe for 40% off. Yeah, that's right, 40% off. Go to theathletic.com slash thegarden and get started now. It's legitimately $3 a month, people. Hey, everybody, welcome on in to the Garden Report podcast. It's Nick Gelso, who you're probably annoyed hearing bash Kyrie Irving. I'm not going to do that today. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're not making me friends. Trip for the Celtics. No, man, I'm getting killed on Twitter. I, I've now joined your ranks of, of being destroyed on Twitter. But uh, that, that voice you hear is uh, a blast from the past. It's my co-host on my non-sports podcast, Beats and Eats. It's Ty Ray, who is... A CLNS legend, man. It's your first time getting your voice out there this year. We're going to focus on some of the NBA, uh, uh, you know, player, social media, player fan interactions that's been going on lately. But, dude, it's just thrilling to have you on the show, and uh, welcome. It's weird, Nick. Thank you for having me, but it's weird not to have hosted a single post-game show this year. I turned the clock back right? six years Right, six years ago, yeah. hosting the post game show, and that's crazy. The man. old team hosting the post those. We used to do these marathons. Remember these marathon post game shows? And uh, yep, I, uh, I'll. I sure do. I remember the. I remember. I remember the instant messages that would get on Skype, t- blasting me for going another hour. <laughs> what are you doing? It's two a.m. <laughs> it's so funny, but we have callers. Very nostalgic, very very nostalgic yeah. for those days and the, and the old crew well, that, that used to do it. Now, having said that, the guys today are doing a fabulous job. So I don't want to make it, it make it sound like I don't think that they're they're incredible. They do an amazing job, and their commitment to the show is incredible. I just I, it's just funny that I haven't done a show this year. Maybe I'll do one for the playoffs if if they let. It'll be good. I, I might maybe you and I should do one together. But for those that don't know that are listening to that are fans of the Garden Report. Uh, we do at the Garden and here on on the podcast version, the Celtics post game show on CLNS is the longest running uh, podcast. Not podcast uh, like Celtics Stuff Live is the longest running Celtics podcast in history. But CLNS owned podcast Celtics post game show. If you want to hear what it was like podcasting ten years ago, we have not changed the technology at all. <laughs> Listen to the post game show. That's how it was to podcast back in two thousand nine. Speaking of Ty. Uh, and, and I know we got to get into our topics here, but 10 years, man, it's our 10 year anniversary this month. CLNS media, 10 years. And so much has That's happened. Right. So much growth. Think about it, Nick. You started with an idea about doing a post game show in the KG era. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. And that's you were truth. living in Pennsylvania and now you're living in Boston covering the Celtics at TD. Garden. It's... I want you to think about it. Let that set in. 
Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like I do think about it quite a bit, actually. I, and the most times I probably think about it, Ty, is at the end of the night on game night, we're going out to film and we're going out to the parquet floor and the garden is completely empty. And I look around and say, who would have ever thunk I would see this place when I'm the only guy in it? One of maybe 10 guys, right? It's a so great it's, feeling. It's a great feeling. And I just, you know, big thanks to everybody out there who's been so- supporting us so long. So 10 years ago this month, the, the site was actually called NorthStationSports.com. I released my first deplorable blog post. Um, but uh, the grammar and the spelling was horrendous. But the topic was great because I was bashing LeBron James. So Things here we are changed. later, and I'm still bashing LeBron James. So let's let's fast forward to the future, but before to the present time. But before we do, Ty, got to tell listeners about our primary sponsor, and that's BetOnline.ag, which is our preferred sports book on the internet and because you're a listener to the garden report you watch us all the time we're going to give you a 50 percent cash bonus just go to clnsmedia.com slash win use the promo code clns50 you deposit 500 bucks they're giving you 250 back in in uh cash back bonus so uh i'm doing it you should do it and uh ty is now a degenerate gambler he's doing it too so <laughs> anyway uh right back to the topics Ty, you know, we Celtics coming off a great road trip. I think that that's been discussed at length on all 17,000 Celtics podcasts on iTunes. So let's hone on in on more of a, a generalized NBA topic. And we're going to make this a quick hit podcast like we always do with the audio versions. But I want to look at primarily what's gone. What is the ongoing narrative about the fans, social media? I don't want to say versus the players, but you know, maybe conflicting with the players and, and that friction that is now beginning to surface probably for the first time, and it's not comparable, but from the first time since the malice at the palace, we're seeing friction amongst the players and the fans. Um, it's just not a good environment, and the fans are paying. It's just, just bad. I mean, all the way around. So let's let's hone in on that a little bit. I mean, we obviously have the, the Russell Westbrook altercation uh, with the, the, the male and female fan who um, who he he actually lashed back out to, not physically, but verbally. We also have the comments made by um, Adam Silver about players being depressed and feeling a little detached from the fan base. And then, of course, you know, LeBron had to jump on that train, but so did Kyrie. So this this narrative continues to grow. And I'm really interested as a, you know, a veteran Emmy Award winning sports journalist out there in the Pacific Northwest uh, Ty, how do you take to all this? I've got to be honest. This NBA season has been the least enjoyable for me as a fan in the history. That's saying a lot. And I lived through yeah, the, and the I lived through the nineties so and I lived through the nineties yeah, too, you lived through the 90s, which right, was right, a horrible decade for basketball. Mm-hmm. I think even though yep. Jordan was amazing and on a different I think the level, late nineties and late nineties to mid two thousands was the worst era, but, the Allen Iverson era. I'm watching the Sixers and the Pacer game the other day, just because, of mm. course, it affects the Celtics and the standings. Right. So I'm right. sitting there watching it, and just as a casual fan, and of course we have to do our token shot of Kendall Jenner as she's gazing mm. at her loved one, Ben mm. Simmons, and I'm like, seriously, mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. And call me the old guy, I just don't care. And Dirk Nowitzki the other day, I thought, hit it right on the head when he said that players today, he feels, 
care more about their Instagram followers, their Twitter follow his, their Twitter followers, their social media following, and, and then winning and losing. And that's where I'm at. And maybe I am sounding like the old guy. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, I kind of have a different feeling there. Though those things annoy me, and I think Dirk, Dirk is correct. Uh, the the compelling piece or the, the marketable piece about the NBA. And the reason I think it could go 12 months out of the year is that drama that's getting on yours and my nerves. It's getting on my nerves, too, but it's what sells the NBA. And what distributes that drama? Well, the TV does, obviously. The radio does a bit. But really, it's YouTube and social media. So you're going to see that. I, I think what really agitates me is, and I won't mention names, but the, the beat reporters for, and I'm not saying they're Celtics beat reporters, just the NBA beat is so obsessed with Twitter. I think they're worse than the players. They're more concerned with asking a cute question that might get some airtime on TV or a ton of retweets than they are asking a question that is uh, applicable to a story or an investigative report. I think report that's or, really true. I, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's that so true. Badly. I, I think that's true. And I also don't appreciate what I have found on Twitter in particular. And I'm just as bad. I can tr- I troll Trump all the time. So I, I'm mm-hmm. just as guilty. Mm-hmm. I troll Trump mm-hmm. because he's a troller. But anyway. Mm-hmm. You are the king of trolls. What I Ty. hate. You're a passive aggressive troller. What I hate, though, <laughs> is that you cannot. And you didn't run to my defense, Ty. I got killed. I didn't. I, I did, oh, uh, you had one guy who, who just wouldn't let up. Get a life, with dude. Me, you know, I'm just going to say oh, this. With more than one guy. Here, here's he the deal. People, get a life. Well, here's the thing, Ty, and I want to go back to your point, but uh, that gentleman, I'm not even going to sh- uh, shout out his Twitter handle. And I, I, first of all, let me go out with this. I love the engagement on social media, even if it's negative. I could take criticism. But this guy, I don't know if he works for Sarah Huckabee Sanders or what, because we were actually, I mean, he's, he's lashing out at me for I'm saying about the team and Kyrie that on post game answers. So he's saying, this stuff to me saying it never happened i'm making it up well i don't even manage the the celtics clns account but that account the social media manager is actually tweeting him the video evidence and he's saying it's fake news ridiculous ridiculous and what i don't what i don't understand nick is why back in the day when i would debate sports with people it was fun fun yeah oh no well nothing's fun to debate anymore now it's like Mm -hmm. what because i have a difference of opinion with you well, I, I don't and, understand and that. Now, I think I've this always, has to do with the culture today, Nick, overall. I do too. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Not, I do too. I this do. isn't just a sports thing. This is overall culture. I you know? agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, everybody has adopted this. Uh, not to bring, I'm not bringing politics no. into the into a sports but podcast. But it has to do a lot adopted, with it. Yeah. Yeah, they've adopted. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to probably get killed for saying this too, but. In a in a very um, uh, a very contradictory way, LeBron most mimics Donald Trump. He controls the media narrative. Yes, he uses social media to do it. He is a complete narcissist. Um, I don't. I, I obviously I like LeBron more than I like. Trump. I shouldn't even say this on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> but it's they're very close, and I think that that would be the ultimate insult to LeBron. Um, but again, it, it shows that that. The media environment in in 2019 has trickled down from the top of the ladder. So the political environment, I think, is oozing into sports. I really do. And Jalen Brown, of course, 
called losing toxic. I think Twitter is getting toxic. I think mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. is getting toxic with with all the conversations. And I, I, it used to be fun, Nick. That's why I said this has been the least favorite season. It's like, the, and as you know, a huge Celtics fan just like you, Nick. Celtics lose a game. Oh, my God, the sky is falling. Right, or if they right, win a game. Right. Oh, my God, they're the greatest. It's like, it's just not fun anymore. People don't let things play out. And maybe I'm just old school because I come from the day when you actually read the newspaper and stories, <laughs> stories it took time, right? They had a chance yeah. to marinate. Nothing was knee jerk. Nothing was yeah. knee jerk. And, yeah. and everything is just so immediate now. It, it's just, it's so frustrating. It's a, it's a, it is a tough environment to cover the team in even. I mean, because that's where you see a lot of that, uh, the stuff you're referencing where, you know, I mean, Twitter is makes it hard to manage your own reporting staff because sure. they're very consumed with Twitter. And I, and I mean, it's an, it is, again, contradictory because it's a big part of their job. It's also working with CLNS or Celtics blog. We want, you know, our our contributors to continue to grow their personal profiles and brands. So you want to encourage them to tweet. But at the same time, tweeting doesn't take precedence over coverage and not to say our guys do that. But we've all done it. I've done it, too. Our guys have done it. I've done it myself where I've, you know, spent more time tweeting out a quote than I have maybe grabbing a pregame video of what fans really want to see, which is, you know, Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum playing one on one. Right. So instead, I'm in the locker room. I'm putting the blame on me, but I'm in the locker room, you know, tweeting out a cute quote from Brad Stevens to get some retweets. I should be out on the court filming. So it's infiltrated the media as well. Uh, social media, I mean, it's just the demise of everything. It's just, it's so uh, about the Russell, Russell Westbrook situation. So, first things first is I'm going to get this out of the way pretty quick. I'm not a big fan of the Russell Westbrook brand. Um, I don't, never liked covering games because he, with him, because he makes you wait forever to say pretty much nothing. Basically, the what you're getting out of his post game presser is what outfit he's wearing that night. Um, but I have to say, in his defense, I've never seen Russell Westbrook react to any situation um, the way he did at that game. And reading what the that couple were saying, including the wife, I don't know that – I mean, I'm sure that, it, that the next day Russell Westbrook said, I wish I handled that differently, but I don't know that I could have handled it differently if I were him. I, I don't know either. Although, you may recall last year in the playoffs at the end of – playoff series in Utah, Russell went after a fan and yeah. I don't think that, yeah, he did. and I don't know if that fan actually did anything wrong. So I just, I don't know. And here I'm saying it's not in his character. I I guess what I'm referencing, Ty, is the things he was saying. I mean he is I, I would never even begin to speculate that he would be abusive towards a woman because he told her to go F herself too or you he did to her too. I mean right. and, and though that was inappropriate and, and people need to control themselves especially in scenarios where they are as influential as a guy named like russell westbrook at the same time i like i said i don't know that i could do anything differently if a woman said to me what she said to him i may not be i mean i would be able to control me physically i would never ever go after uh, uh, anyone let alone a, a female but i don't know that i wouldn't have been able to to lash stop myself from lashing out at her because it's so revolting and jarring in that moment and you could see it in wes's eyes he's no longer in the arena well, also, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to mention the guy's name who was in the altercation with Westbrook. Right. Didn't he have on his Twitter account, go back to where you came from, 
Yeah, I mean, it was and just all sorts really of nasty again, racial right? stuff, and of course, kind of a product of the environment. Make that a, we're in today. one of one of the make America great again, folks. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that, but it seems his Twitter seems to 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 definitely go down that route. That's definitely, I think, his political persuasion. But it, again, it is a product of the times, and and my lifetime. I mean, I'm I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to say that you would think 20 years ago or 30 years ago, it would have been worse. I mean, I grew up in a town with one African-American. I never heard or saw things like I'm hearing and seeing today. And I want to keep it to basketball, but that, that also goes for just about everything. And it's eking now in oozing into basketball. And frankly, the one party that is at full blame for this situation is the owners of the or the security at the arena those fans i mean you're handing people yellow tickets and you've been flagged get them the hell out yeah they don't deserve to be there i don't want i mean they could keep their ticket money if i'm the jazz or if i'm the celtics or if i'm the the warriors or the thunder you know keep your ticket money because you don't belong um i, I don't know how to say this stuff it's just such a touchy subject you don't but you don't have the right to consume that great entertainment if you're going to disrespect the entertainers the entertainers and and not even in it's one thing to heckle like heckling's always been part of the game and you can heckle but it crosses a line when it becomes racial or violent do you remember robin fick he was the heckler that was behind oh yeah yeah remember but it was all in great fun it was fun i mean he was detroit right yeah it was yeah no dc he was in dc dc okay yeah i mean he was he was he was he had a a part on Sports Center every night where they go to his heckling. But again, that was good fun. Heckling, that's part of the game, man. If you guys can't handle that as players, then you know what? You don't belong making the money you're making. However, Bill Russell had to go through what he had to go through in order for the players today not to have to go through what Res- Russell Westbrook had to endure by a fan in that game. Now, again, I'm not saying Russell handled his portion of it correctly. I think he could have been, you know a bit more responsible or maybe ignored them or reported them to security or whatever. But to me, it all starts with the fan, which means they're the responsibility of the arena and the arena did a very poor job of, of policing that situation. That they've got to have a zero tolerance policy. That's just what it People amounts are to. Actually like this is an, I'm seeing this go around now. Like, Oh, the NBA needs to institute walls like the NHL. Well, let me tell you, that's the end of the sport. If, uh, the basketball, and I think I'd love your. Um, I always say this, and then I talk over you. I'd love your opinion on this, and then I'll talk over you. Um, <laughs> but like people being close to the players and the action adds to the entertainment value of the sport. The intimacy of the sport, meaning you could see the players' faces, you could see to a certain extent their body, you could see their body language completely, and they're also so close to the the spectator that it's all part of the entertainment. So if the NBA has to start going a route where they're separating the fans from the players, a la hockey for obvious reasons, hockey has to do it. Then you know what? You're, they're really going to hurt that product terribly. And it's a real shame and an embarrassment to both the players, the fans and the league. If they cannot, if the fans who are paying the bills cannot uh, coexist within a hundred foot radius of the players who are 
entertaining them. Oh, you have to, sense. right? There's a certain intimacy unlike any other sport, I think, with basketball. I agree. And you have to maintain you have to maintain that. Hockey's different. It's moving up and down the ice. Basketball's and fast, a, too, and but there's not, a danger factor. Yeah, with absolutely. Guys with the sticks, the pucks, absolutely, completely. And in hockey, the, the players are wearing masks. There's that there's that sports detachment in hockey that you get same that you get with football. Um, to a certain extent, baseball, whereas basketball, you see, I mean, KG's a living proof. You would have to, you know, put a, uh, uh, you know, you would be editing out every single lip. You couldn't even lip sync with KG because you were, if you were at the game, you'd hear him cursing, right? So that's just part, that's part of the great aspects of basketball. And like you just said, I think that you can't take it away. Yeah, you, you, you can't take away that intimacy, and like you said as well, the great thing about the sport is that, you know, baseball, you've got guys in hats and helmets, and hockey, you've got helmets on, and football, you've got helmets on. Here, you really get to see the players up close, see what they look like, so there's a connection there, and there's an interaction there, but this is not uncommon. We've had this happen in the past, but I don't think these altercations... Um, they're, they're becoming too frequent, in my opinion. I mean, I think back, and, Nick, do you remember night? Was it 81 when Max went in the uh, yeah, when in, in the Philadelphia? Keep that, yeah, keep that on the Sixers because you remember in probably 91, 10 years later, Barkley, I mean, he didn't just spit on a fan. I mean, this was like a Charles Barkley-sized Luger that went into the to the stands. He, put on, he spit on a fan. But like the thing is, David Stern had zero tolerance, man. He got it. I know they were talking about, not allowing him back then to be in the MVP the MVP discussion well, for doing that, but, but but before we throw it back to you, those were not racially, as far as right. we know, they were not racially motivated um, altercations. These have been. Marcus Smart dealt with that in college. Remember he at did. Oklahoma State where he went after yep. a fan. Yep. But I, I think that you are onto something here. I think these are more mo- racially motivated and people are starting to get the green light because of the culture we live in. And I, like I said, don't want to make, don't want to make it a right. political podcast, but let's just be honest. We're seeing more it's of a, it. It's a trickle down. Um, I think it has a trickle down effect. And uh, again, it's a shame because the NBA, David Stern had done such a good job of getting, well, first of all, getting the NBA through the ABA and through the, the bad stuff that went on in the early eighties. But then on top of that, transitioning past the Jordan era and getting through the Iverson era where they had a major, they were starting to have another imaging issue. And now here we are. And I got to say, Adam Silver has not as much as I respect him. I've met him. He's brilliant. He's not been real proactive with this at all. He's kind of been, been a little muted on it other than those comments at Sloan, which I think fueled the players. Yeah. I just think that he tries to walk. He's a businessman, right? He's trying to walk a tightrope. So he's not. But in this pay. situation, I think you've got to be black or white tight, don't you? I do. I absolutely do. That's why I think a no, a no tolerance policy policy of games is warranted. I don't know how that would fly, I, but but I don't, I don't, I don't know, know about I you. Know. I don't want to sit by anybody who's dropping the oh, N word or the, making. Uh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that, dude. I was at. Uh, so I went to the Houston game as a fan. I had somebody in from out of town, and that was the, the Boo Bird game where the, the fans were just booing the hell out of the, the Celtics for poor effort. Um, there were a lot of uh, things being shouted onto the court. And I know Boston, in my opinion, it's a, it's a false 
um, reputation. I think we've passed that. But Boston has had issues at, at Red Sox games with, sure. with some rowdy fans. But I can tell you at the Garden that day, not once. I mean, I, here I am. I was in the midst of it all. I mean, and that was when I tell you, Ty, I mean, I've covered a lot of games. I've been to a lot of games. I've watched a lot on TV. Never seen a fan base so upset. Um, there were Isaiah Thomas chants starting to break out. Um, anyway, <laughs> the, the point back to the point is as bad as it got in that locker room as a reaction to how bad they were playing on the court, there was never anything in my area, at least said all the games I've been to at the garden, I've never seen it. Um, and it's just a shame. And hopefully the NBA will come up with some sort of a zero tolerance. The one thing about the NBA that's always been so, um, which admirable has been David Stern. You know, I'm a big fan and I know fans hate him, but David Stern was instant to react to situations. So the narrative immediately changed. He nipped it in the bud. Yeah. And this is day three. I got, you know, ESPN on right now and they're still talking about Russell Westbrook. Um, Silver should be out there making a, some sort of a comment and, and, and a, a policy change of sorts, or a threat of a policy change. Um, either way, while, while all this stuff was going out out in Utah, the Celtics were out west too. They were they were uh, really tearing up the road on the West Coast road swing. And Ty, I don't want to. I know we got a cut here early. It's a quick hit podcast, but I think we would not be doing our fans a favor if we didn't talk any of West Coast swing. Uh, what were your impressions? Do you think they're coming back? Um, they're definitely coming back in a better place, but are they cured? Uh, the, what what uh, antidepressant did the training staff put Kyrie Irving on? Like, what's going on? Oh, it was so funny. I, I, all I was thinking is uh, Godfather 3 when I was watching the Celtics uh, West the Coast Road Godfather Trip. The Godfather of all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, what Chino says, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back they in. They pull me back in. A lot of fans were saying <laughs> Uh, I'm not convinced. Uh, the The defense in the Laker game was atrocious, and yep. and I know they won by 13. But I, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You're playing the Lakers yep. with their G League players and LeBron James, mm-hmm. who's completely detached from the whole thing, and he still had yeah, a triple a double. He had some guy named Jonathan Williams with a double double, and some guy and, and Mitz Wagner or whatever the guy's name in had a career yeah, high. Yeah. And I thought the Celtics yeah. defense was a tr- now. Maybe it's just because they played with them. I don't know. You know, maybe they didn't take nah, the game. I mean, now the, the defense through, through the entire uh, since February first. Even though statistically, I think they still rank among the highest defenders. The defense has been really bad. I mean, I, I've really made an effort to watch players off the ball playing defense, and there's just zero communication. There's zero readiness. They're not playing intense defense, and you know, it's always been a hallmark of of Steven's team. So yeah, I got that at the Lakers game too. And then the, the, you know, a night or two later, they gave up 140 points to the Clippers where, you know, bad defense. Yeah. But also a product of a high scoring NBA today. Um, but, but they, they lost by 20 and, and gave up 140 let, points, which furthers your, let me, your, uh, let's let this sink in a bit. That was the most points they had allowed since 1994. Fifth, I, I thought longer. I thought it was the 50s. <laughs> no, since, 19, I could be wrong. since 1994. So, I'm yeah, not, that I'm was not. the era where that was the era where where uh, Don Nelson's teams were trying to score 200 a game. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> you know, have you seen Nelly lately? By the way, oh, he God. looks like he should be on Sons of Anarchy. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I so no, what drugs is I, I, I think it was a great road trip. I think that I do think that that things are better than they were. 
but do I think they're great? No. But I didn't think they were as bad as everybody was making them out to be either. Mm-hmm. I, I live through, I, you know, it's funny, John Duke and I talk about this on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We, what a great guy. We, we lived through 2010 and how maddening right. so that season was. You did too. 2010, when that team started out, what were they, like 20-2 and two and then finished the season 28-28, and 28, and they'd win a couple I, games, lose a couple games, win a couple games, lose. And then, very frustrating season to cover. And, very, very and then, out of the blue, they, go on a run. they just, I mean, they kicked everybody's ass in the playoffs until Game 7 against the Lakers. Uh, we don't need to go there. but Yeah, I got to kind of, I've used that analogy too on, on Twitter. I was using it earlier in the season when they were 10-10. and 10. I've since retracted it, mainly because having covered that team and done every post-game show and watched them intensely, just as much as you did, there's uh, a couple really key aspects that the Celtics are missing in the 2019 rendition of their team, and that would be three Hall of Famers, um, a point guard that I hate, but hate is a bad word, that I really don't like, but however... Um, he, there's no re- disputing the fact that Rajon Rondo showed up for huge games. You knew he was going to, and you knew no matter if he was hating on Ray or loving him, he was going to get him involved and get everybody involved. And they're also missing, this one's going to annoy the hell out of you, but let me finish my, my thought on it before you run to judgment. But they're missing a guy named Doc Rivers, who, um, wait a minute, let me, before I go to Doc, they're also missing championship experience. I mean, besides Aaron Baines and Kyrie, no one has ever played in the championship series where that team had been through the battles and, and won a title. Uh, and then there's Doc. Like, I, I, I think I tweeted out last night because, of course, the narrative here in Boston has been, uh, talk radio narrative has been, you know, who would you prefer at this point in the season, Doc Rivers or Brad Stevens? Um, I think for that 2010 team, you needed Doc Rivers. He knew how to manage those personalities. I think throughout this season, had Doc been the Celtics head coach, the, the, I, I don't think the personality issues, um, the locker room issues that ha, had ex, had existed publicly this year would have been publicly with Doc here. So we would have found out about it from Jackie Mack in July. Now, that said, I wouldn't enter the playoffs with Doc Rivers as my coach. I want Brad Stevens. So I, the, the, the 2010 analogy, I think it's overdone a bit, and I was with it. Just because that 2010 team – they had fought the war together, man. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't disagree with you. I, with my point being, I think, with the 2010 team is that sometimes the regular season is not a harbinger oh, of things to come. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's not an indication <laughs> of things to come in the playoffs necessarily. And as, and as I'm saying that, I mean, we, I'm, also not, I'm also blowing over. That was a Doc Rivers-led team in 2010. And if we remember, and I believe it was against the Memphis Grizzlies, Kevin Garnett had a complete meltdown in the tunnel. They got booed off the court, and he screamed at the fans, if you don't like it, don't come. Yeah. So there were issues with that team, too. I mean, it, it does go to say that the old cliche, winning solves all problems. But for you to, to step back to what, what we had started the conversation with before we wrapped here. So my, my scenario with this West Coast trip is I don't care if they came back 0-4. Um, they, it, as long as they come back smiling. <laughs> I mean, if it's fake. It's not fake. If it's real, I don't know. But the attitude shift is noticeable. Um, whatever Kyrie is, is, whatever meditation he's doing right now to get him in the zone, keep doing it because this team, it's documented now. Rozier said it. Other players have said it uh, off the record. Uh, this team does not play well when Kyrie Irving is not in a good mood. Um, so 
that's one thing I come back with saying, you know, I'm encouraged about. The other thing has to be Gordon Hayward. Um, I mean, uh, we've seen glimmers of this throughout the season in, in, in small samples, but not in, you know, the consecutive games that it was like it was out West. And also, even in those games, I think he scored 30 earlier in the season. He never looked as confident as he did for one minute with the ball, you know, versus let's say the Warriors. No, he he, um, boy, he wanted it too. You could tell. He give you it. You could tell. Give and it to me. Yep. It. Give it to me. That's probably the most impressive part. It also really drove home how um, shorthanded this team actually is without a healthy Gordon Hayward, because they play like such a different team when Gordon is is needs to be guarded. So, well, he's a uh, he's that, a twenty point scorer who can distribute the basketball uh, and and play D, yeah, and play defense. So, you know, I mean, I, I listen. Uh, you go out west and you have a, a good road trip like he did. The scouting report is now out, and teams are going to have to start game planning for him again now. Um, but that's great because if they have to cover Gordon, that means somebody else is open, and he knows how to find open players. And part of the problem has been Gordon Hayward has played more like Evan Turner. And Gordon Hayward, therefore, <laughs> you know, you could, you could, a uh, really, really high priced Turner. Um, so you couldn't really use him as a decoy, let's say, or as someone sure. to spread the court. So I think they're coming back with more positives. The Clippers game didn't really bother me all that much. I saw it as a trap game at the end of the trip. I knew they'd lose it. I didn't think they'd get killed, um, but I knew they'd lose it. Um, and I think when it gets, comes to, we're recording this on, on Wednesday. Day. When it comes to Thursday against the Kings, I think there's going to be a Boston Garden that really wants to see uh, uh, a team with a good vibe as yeah, they're putting enjoying themselves. That's who's coming back. Well, you can also tell when a team is enjoying itself on the court too. And so to play with that was always my big problem when I would watch LeBron and those Cleveland teams. It just they just <sighs> never had any fun, even though they won. Yep. They just never had any fun. Were and, they LeBron to blame or was it Kyrie to blame? Yeah, good question. Very, very good question. But I, regardless. Let's get a little perspective here. Even though this has been a disappointing season, supposedly, this is still a 50-win team that mm-hmm. is dangerous. And the key thing is be healthy, right? If they could and get, get the, not to get, not to mention the, the yes, dangerous, get healthy, 50-win team, but they're also only a game and a half back from hopping all the way to the third seed. And I, 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 I really want them to have first. I think if they get through the first round. It's all bets are off. They could they could go to the finals, um, but because of where they are in the seating, they're going to play somebody strong in that first round. I'd like to see home court advantage. Yeah, and then you get and past we got that. games coming. Celtics have games coming up this month and in April against Philadelphia and Indiana. So you can make up some real. So to put into perspective what you just said during February, which was the worst month I remember covering the team, uh, probably maybe since 2015 uh, when they you know blew it up. And now we're talking about a 50-win team that may be the third seed that is by far may not be the best team in the East. Like Milwaukee may be a more uh, a better team. Uh, they're playing better. They have a better record. It indicates the same thing with Toronto. But I don't think there's any team more dangerous with all the weapons that they have than the Celtics if they're in a good space. No, no question about that. Certainly the deepest team in the playoffs. And you can bet the Raptors or the Bucks don't want to have to face them. Certainly not the 76ers who can't beat them. They can't beat them. I mean, I, I really want to see the Sixers, not just from the standpoint of I would cover the road games and be able to go home for a week or two. Um, but also, I just, I love the, I love, even though it always seems to be one-sided towards the Celtics, I love the competition in those games. Um, I love the references to the old rivalry. Yeah. Um, I love 
as as obnoxious as they are, I love covering games at the Spectre at the. Uh, What's it? Wells, Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Wells <laughs> Fargo. Did I just almost call? I, we always do this. I love covering games at Wells Fargo because the fans are obnoxious. Now they're not racists, but they are. I mean, they are obnoxious. In a, in a, you're sitting in an arena with eighteen thousand hecklers, and they know their hoops. Philadelphia fans know their hoops, and so. Yeah, man, I think it's important to have first uh, home court in that first round. And I'm just glad to see that the team that's coming back is a little looser. I don't, again, I don't know if it's manufactured by the team, by PR, because they did go on that that uh, photo shoot uh, hunt, uh, release the day of the road trip where everybody had this plastic smile on their face. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, so I'm, I don't know who's what. what is motivating this new... Uh, chemistry or whatever you want to call it, camaraderie, whatever it is, man. As long as Kyrie stays happy, the Celtics are a very, 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 very formidable team, and I still think they're they're first to come out of the East if Kyrie can stay happy and healthy. Yeah, keep the faith, man. Keep the faith. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Keep the faith. <laughs> so on that note, you know, Ty, thanks so much for for joining me and hopping on this podcast today, and and so the, the uh, listeners know you can find us on. Uh, iTunes, the CLNS Media mobile app, clnsmedia.com. Also, we'll simulcast this one over to Celtics blog. Ty, I'm going to have to edit out your curses. And you can always, of course, catch us at the Garden where you get the video version of this show. So I'm uh, at CLNS underscore Nick. He's at Coog88 on Twitter. Thanks to our sponsor, betonline.ag. Use promo code CLNS50. And, man, we'll see you uh, tomorrow night post-game at TD Garden as they're going to tip off against the Kings. Uh, and we'll be there covering it.